You're listening to the Lompoc Foursquare Church Podcast. So how do you respond to someone who's kind to you? How do you respond to someone who's generous? How do you respond to someone when deep in your soul you know they love you and they're showing it, not just with words but with deeds? How do you respond? Well, in Revelation chapter 4, verse 8 to 11, we hear how heaven is responding. It's what Marlene just sang. That each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. And day and night and night and day, they never cease saying, let's read it, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. And they lay down all their crowns, all their trophies, all their accolades, all their diplomas. And here's what they say. Let's read it. You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. In Revelation chapter 4, we have this worship of the Creator, God. In Revelation chapter 5, we have the worship of the Lamb, the Savior, Jesus Christ. This worship changes us, and we're talking about life. At John 10, Jesus said, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come to give you life and life more abundant. We said that the enemy comes to rob our joy, to have us be joyless. He comes to rob our hope, to have us be hopeless. He comes to challenge our identity when we say we're God's children. He says, like hell we are. When we say that God is declaring we're forgiven by his grace and mercy, the enemy tries to guilt us, to condemn us, to shame us. But the Lord said there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ, and the devil tries to heap condemnation on us and shame and guilt. He tries to challenge us at our point of our identity, but I think there's another thing that he comes to do. He tries to get us to be people that are ungrateful, ungrateful. Now, I'm certain the first service and the second service really needed to hear this message. I'm sure people in our cafe drinking their $2 lattes and hanging out over there, and I'm sure people watching online need this message. So let me give it to them and practice it for the next time I bring this message to first and second service, okay? How are you in the area of gratitude to God? How are you in your response to the Lord's kindness and the Lord's grace? It was a few months ago that I met a gentleman out front, and uh, I was a quasi-greeter, and I was out there just saying hello to people, and here comes this guy, and he says, Pastor Bernie, I got to tell you, I love the church. Been here for a while now. I just wanted to tell you I love the church. I said, I do too. If I wasn't the pastor, I would go here. It's a great church. Yeah, it is. It is. Great people like you, and we serve in the community, and we love our military, and we do the best that we can to 
come alongside people and help them. And, and plus, it's just kind of a cool room, and the chairs have good padding. And so it's good. Good. The air conditioner's on. You know, it's great. He said, but there's one thing I don't particularly care for. Boy, I knew it was coming. He said, all this singing and music stuff, it's just like a little much for me. And he said, now, now my, my wife really likes it. And she's over there doing this. Every once in a while, she's looking at me. By the way, is she supposed to look at me during worship? I go, I don't know, where's it written? You know, thou shalt not look at your spouse during worship. I don't know, but anyway. And, and, so, and so he says, you know, she's like all of it, but I, I'm, that's not my style. Now, let me talk to you about style for a moment. I just want you to know that we're not trying to build conformists here. You don't have to raise your hands, but if you want to raise your hands, you can. The Bible actually says we lift our heart with our hands to God in the heavens, so it's biblical. And it's also the universal sign of surrender. Somebody put a gun in your back, you know what you're going to do, right? right? You're going to roundhouse kick them and knock the gun out of their hand. No, you're not, right? You're either going to run for your life or you're going to do this. So, so we come to surrender to the Lord. And, and here's what he said. And I just want to lean in and tell you. He, he said, I think it's a feminine thing. I think it's a woman thing. Because women are more responsive that way. Now, I was thinking about all the pastoral things I could tell him. Well, sir, if you really were a man of God, you would worship the Lord with reckless abandon. Because after all, God wants you to raise the volume in the church. I, man, I remember when I was young, the preacher would sometimes get up and say, let's, let's sing it like we really mean it. I go, I did mean it. <laughs> or, or let's sing it and raise the roof. I go, man, if they raise the roof, we're going to have construction problems, you know? But, but here's, here's what I said to him. And I thought I had a good answer. I said, sir, if this is too much for you, don't, don't stop coming because you like everything else about the church but that time where we sing. Uh, don't, don't stop coming. But here's my question to you, sir. When do you express your gratitude to God? If not here, do you ever sing to the Lord? Oh, if I sing. I said, well, then how about in the backyard, like singing a bucket? <laughs> and I think my question was valid. It's what I asked you as we started this message. What do you do to respond to God's goodness? How do you spend time worshiping him? Because worship will change your life. It will transform you from the inside out. As you come into the presence of God, and not just do a to-do list. I raised my hands, I sang a song, I'm done. Because all of Scripture tells us, and we'll see it this morning, that worship is not just an event or an activity or Sunday morning. It is your lifestyle. It, it is your heart. It's your response to a God who's been gracious and kind and merciful to you. Many of you know the story of, of William Wilberforce, the youngest minister of England's parliament. He was 21 years of age, and he had what he calls a night that was the dark of his soul. And he got up in the morning and wandered through the streets of England, and it happened to be Easter morning, and he heard in the churches and the cathedrals the singing 
of the risen Savior. Up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph for his foes. He heard the singing of holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And it so transformed his life. He gave his life over to Christ, and it was in that morning that he decided that he would do everything he could for the rest of his life to abolish slavery. You see in your notes that the act of worship will drive us to acts of discipleship like nothing else. I I could stand up here and say, you need to read your Bible every day, and you'd go, that's good. Good. You preach it, preacher. Read your Bible. B-I-B-L-E, that's a book for me. That's right. But when God gets a hold of your heart, you, you want to read the book that he wrote through people that he inspired by the Holy Spirit. Hebrews 13, 15 says, through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a, a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. Now, look at that first word, Offer. It sounds like there's something that we have to do here. We, we, we offer. But then the next word is sacrifice. And many times in the scripture, especially in the Psalms, you'll see David, who doesn't feel like worshiping God, challenging himself, and he'll say things like, bless the Lord, O, o, my, o my soul. He's opening up his soul. And he's speaking down into his soul. You get with the program, soul. Even though Saul was on his tail trying to kill him, trying to end his life, he stops and he says, I am going to worship the Lord no matter what I see, no matter what I feel, no matter what is going on around me. I will bless the Lord at all times. I will praise him. But you notice the next line, it's the fruit of what? Lips, which which really means we're supposed to say something. So I told the gentleman, um, when is it that you speak thanks to God? Because it doesn't have to be just on Sunday morning. I mean, it could be, it could be Tuesday as you're driving to work. It, it could be Wednesday as you're getting up in the morning. It, it could be when you're working out. It could be when you're taking out the garbage. It could be when you're doing the laundry. It could be when you're washing the dishes. I just want to speak thanks to you, God. And it's not empty words at all. See, some people think that worship is just music. But it's more than that. What do you do for people that don't play an instrument? Or there are churches even in our own city that don't believe in musical instruments. They just sing with their voices. And from their hearts, they worship God. And God is more interested with your heart than he is with your musical skill, though we are, we are spoiled here. By the way, we are spoiled here. You know, we have people like Jeff this morning who leads us and Marlene who beautifully sings for us and the worship team, and I mean, we—you guys—you guys didn't know it. You're spoiled here. You're spoiled here. Every once in a while, we raise it up a bar. You know, we bring caliber musicians in, like Holger and his band, and Caleb Quay and Tommy Walker. And I mean, you're spoiled here. Yeah, when the music gets good, then maybe I'll worship. Hmm. My my friend Tommy Walker, who is arguably, in my mind, one of the best Christian songwriters we have who's led right here before, and sometime in the fall, we're still working on dates, they'll come back and play again, and it'll be a great night, and you'll love it, and I'll love it. God will love it. Uh, He was in the Philippines, and 
this little boy whose family um, was surviving by selling stuff that they could find in the dump. Um, then they would take it and try to clean it up and sell it. Um, you know, they don't have very much at all. He was playing his little ukulele, and most ukuleles are supposed to have four strings, right? Well, this one had three. And the kid knew one chord. Ling, 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 ling. God, I thank you. Ling, ling, today. Ling, ling, ling. And Tommy was walking by, and uh, Tommy, play, if you don't know him, he plays the guitar like nobody's business and writes songs and sings. And, and Tommy sat on a tree stump and just worshiped the Lord with reckless abandon because of this young guy's heart. Because this young guy was saying, thank you for my life. I don't have much. My family survives because of people's trash. We don't have much to eat. Sometimes we get a scoop of rice, maybe some fish heads. But man, bling, bling, I love you, Lord. It was D.L. Moody who said, I could listen any sermon into a masterpiece. And I think what Tommy reminds me in that story is I could listen anyone's worship into the catalyst of me worshiping my God myself. It's not about style. It's not about ability. It's about a heart that says, I will worship the Lord. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do what? Do it all. Come on. For the glory of God. It's our heart. It's our lifestyle. Warren Wiersbe says, worship is the believer's response of all that they are, mind, emotions, will, body, to what God is and says and does. We throw everything into it. And it's not just a Sunday, and it's not just a Wednesday, it's not a Friday afternoon. It is our entire life, as Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, he's talking to Christians, this is for Christians, in view of God's mercy to what? Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. In other words, God, everything that I am, my mind, my body, my soul, my spirit, my energy, my resources, my time, my talents, my treasures, my finances, everything I have is yours. Everything that I say, I want to glorify you. And then over in Romans 6.13, he says, give yourselves to God and surrender your whole being to him to be used for righteous purposes. See, true worship is surrender. And we don't like this word surrender in American culture because to surrender means to lose. If we're arm wrestling and I say, I surrender or uncle, uh, back in the old day, we lose. But when you give up to God, you only win. Uh, I have this adage called the law of the hole. When you're in a hole, stop digging. I'm at the bottom of my life right now. Give up your shovel and give it up to God and say, Lord, I give up to you. Well, I've got some struggles in my life. Well, then surrender to God. Surrender to Jesus Christ. See, true worship is bringing pleasure to God as we give ourselves completely to him with reckless abandon. I think Peter modeled servanthood for us in the area of surrender when they fished all night and they caught no fish. And Jesus comes to them and says, um, Peter, 
I, I want to talk to you for a minute. And, and Peter says, well, what, Lord? Jesus says, I'm paraphrasing, I know where the fish are. And Peter says, oh, wait, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. We're fishermen. We have this little fish finder that we got <laughs> at Walmart. We know where the fish are. And Jesus says, if you throw your nets on that side of the boat, I promise you, you'll catch fish. And it was an act of surrender that caused these fishermen who were tired and weary of doing their own thing and their own strength to actually believe the Lord and throw their nets. Surrendered people obey to God and God's word. And surrendered people obey God even when it doesn't make any sense. The second thing I want you to see is that every believer of Jesus Christ is called to be a worshiper. We are called to worship the Lord. And it's not just for somebody. It's a, yeah, those people on the platform, they're, they're called to worship the Lord. When I was raised in the Jewish temple, in the Jewish synagogue, we had these people called cantors. And I don't know why, when I was like in the third grade, and we went to like Yom Kippur and Rosh Hashanah, that they said, and now the cantor. I, I, I don't know why I thought cantor had something to do with caterer. I kept waiting for them to bring out the food, which they never did. They came out and they sang, and we all sat and listened. And we all listened. My parents, said, we were members of that synagogue. We had to buy tickets to get in. And Yom Kippur, could you imagine? We're going to charge tickets next Sunday, yay. No, we're not. It's free for all. But, but interesting I, I learned there that someone else sang for us. Listen, no one else can worship for you. Yeah, team, take it away. Or I'll listen to the message, or K-Love, or K-Life. The, the, the songs will be in my car, and I'll just listen to that, which is great, by the way. But there needs to be a point where you stop and you say, I'm a worshiper. Well, Romans 12:1. In the, in the English version, says, because of God's great mercy to us, offer yourselves. You should circle that, offer yourselves. As a living sacrifice to God, dedicated to his service and pleasing to him, this is true worship that you should circle that one. Offer. I offer myself. Because of God's great mercy, I offer myself. See, worship is my response to God's love. We worship because God loves us. It's our response to God's love. How many parents here? Grandparents? Huh? Yeah, some of you won't admit it. <clears throat> You're so wore out being a parent, you can't. <laughs> can, I, can I just ask you a question? What's it feel like? When your kid or your grandkid comes, and I mean from their heart, appreciates you. I got a text yesterday, I just got to tell you this, from my granddaughter. I had uh, texted my daughter-in-law and said, please tell Peyton and Kylie that I love them and blah, blah, blah. And I got back, Crampa, she calls me Crampa, C-R-A-M. P.A., Crampa. <laughs> he said, Crampa, this is Kylie. Yeah, I figured, because it has all the balloons 
and all the emojis and all the dancing people. That's what she does, man. Like all the hearts and stuff. Do anybody, anybody have any kids or grandkids that do that? Come on, am I the only one? Yeah. Oh, bring it. Just keep on bringing it, I say. You know? I was with one guy, a pastor, and his grandson kept sending him stuff, and he, he, was, he was annoyed by it. No, I don't get annoyed. Just keep it coming, sweetheart. And she said these words, I quote, you're funny, you're silly, and you're the greatest crampaw in the world. Oh, hey, hey. Now, some of you might say, well, what about our other crampa? Well, they, the good news is they call him Papa, so he's the greatest Papa in the world. I get to be the greatest grandpa. I think that's cool. And Debbie gets to be the greatest grandma, and, 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 and Stephanie's mom is Nana, so she's the greatest Nana. We got it all covered with different names. Isn't that great? It's great. But I got to tell you, I was like, where is the devil? I want to go beat him up because I got this affirmation, this love, these balloons, this stuff, these emojis from my granddaughter saying, you're the best. Listen, when you show up in the presence of God and you say, Lord, I need to stop here and thank you for all that you've done for me. I don't deserve to have your strength today. I don't deserve to have you with me today. I don't deserve your forgiveness today. I just want to stop and say, Father God, Papa God, Abba God, whatever you call him, Elohim Adonai, I just want to thank you because you're amazing. And I want to praise you for what you've done in my life. And you know what he says? He tells the angels and the worshipers, hey, hey, holy, holy. Just turn it down a little bit, guys. My, my kid's down there talking to me. One of my sons is singing in a bucket. <laughs> and I think he's awesome. And he knows he's no good. And the neighbor's dogs are howling because he's singing. But up in heaven, God's looking down and saying, that's my boy. That's my boy. By the way, I just want you to notice, my grandkids can text me anytime they want and tell me that they love me. Why not? See, when you tell your parents, your grandparents, or when you get told by your kids or your grandkids, they're responding to your love. See, worship is giving back to God. It's offering him something deep and great. So we have in Matthew uh, 22, this exchange between Jesus and some of the teachers of the law, and they ask him, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, let's read it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your And this is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love as... If you'd go back uh, up, there you go, thank you. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your what? Heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Uh-huh. Love him with everything that you have. So in your notes, we are to love God thoughtfully. Do not disengage your brain and just say, Lord, love you, worship you, God. Love you, worship you. What's for lunch? Love you, worship you. Huh? What's on TV today? Love you, worship you. Can I get a nap today, Lord? The, thoughtfully. 
Love him with your mind. In other words, we don't just come with mindless routine. We actually think about what God has done. So if a, if a kid comes to a parent and just says, I'm sure glad you're my mom. Love you. You're the greatest mom in the world. And if mama actually says, so tell me why. I don't know. That's, that's mindless praise. That's mindless worship. That's mindless thanks. But Lord, the other day when I was having a conversation with that person, I know you quickened my mind. I know you gave me the ability to speak. God, the other day when I was angry and I wanted to jack somebody up, tune them up, you know, Lord, you gave me patience and calm. Lord, the other day when I was thinking about, uh, you know, drinking again or smoking again or using again, you gave me strength in that moment to overcome that. Had a couple this morning come to me and say, you know, Pastor, uh, we, we've been clean today. Today's our 60th day, 6-0 day, to be clean together. I said, man, I celebrate that. And, 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 and then he said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said, tomorrow's going to be 61. Huh? And you know what they said? We're thanking God for the strength that he's giving. I said, that's, you see, that's using your mind. Lord, I thank you that you've helped me these 60 days. God, I thank you that you gave me the job. Lord, I thank you that you allowed me to solve that problem. Lord, I'm grateful that you, and you, you can just fill in the blanks. That's thoughtful worship. Then we are also to love God passionately. Not just with our mind, but with our heart and with our soul. That's passion. Now, some of you aren't very passionate, sorry. <clears throat> some of you aren't very romantic. I mean, some in the last service aren't very romantic. But God wants us to love him in, in, in not a romantic way, you know, to put little hearts everywhere, but in a connecting way where we know who God is and we are passionate about him and we do our best to love him. And then we are to love God practically. Uh, some versions say, love him with all your strength or with all your might. And that's where we serve the Lord. With our mind, he gets our attention. With our heart, he gets our affection and our love. And with our abilities, he gets us to serve him with our might, loving him with our strength. You know, in most religions, the idea of worship is that you forget yourself and you kind of go into a trance where you're just, ah, um, right? And you disengage your brain and try to pretend you're floating. But God wants us to be attentive to him in that moment <clears throat> and remove our distractions. It was some time ago that I went to um, the Santa Maria airport and watched airmen coming back, being reunited with their families who have been deployed, some for 12 and some for 14 months. And, and if you look at these pictures, you'll, you'll see, first of all, there was preparation. The sign was made and the earmuffs were put on. And then you'll see hugs and you'll, you'll, you'll... Can I tell you one thing I noticed at the airport? And even as, as people who just stood by like myself holding flags, by the way, she's worshiping in the back. See, it's a female thing. And uh, anyway, no. <laughs> Not one person playing a video game, texting, Checking the latest Facebook, latest Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter. Not, not, 
no, no, no. They were focused on who was arriving in the moment. And it so caught me because I, I know how you are. I'm, I'm that way too, that I can start to worship God and pretty soon I'm distracted. And even if my cell phone's not in my pocket, I still feel it vibrate. Come on. Or you're somewhere and you hear a ding and you think it's your phone, but your phone's not even there. We've been trained and conditioned. But I have to say to a person, everyone was focused on the arrival of their loved one that they hadn't seen in a while. And what if this picture was worship for us? When we go into the presence of God, whether it's here or at our homes or in the backyard or singing in a bucket, where we say, God, I want to turn off the whole world for, for just a moment because I want to think about you with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. I don't want anything else to enter into these moments. Psalm 139, 1-3 says, O Lord, you've searched me and you know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my eyes and all my ways and all my thoughts. Everything that I do, wherever I'm looking, whatever I'm saying, whatever I'm hearing. And aren't you amazed that we have this God who's the God of the universe and he cares about what you're thinking about today? He knows how many times you've checked out from my sermon already? He's counting. <laughs> I mean, he knows. He knows your heart. Some of you have been through loss and tragedy. He knows your pain. Some of you are discouraged and depressed. He knows the valley you're in right now. Some of you are wondering about next week, next month, next year. Some of you are worrying about things that will never, ever happen, and he knows that you're worrying about stuff that will never happen. This is the kind of God that we have. Everything I do, Lord, everywhere I go, you are focused on me. And I just wonder what it would be like if every once in a while we could just focus on him. I, I have the privilege every once in a while of, of taking pictures. We have a church camera and it's got the lens and all the stuff and you can do all the, turn the knob and you can change the, the shutter speed and everything. But there's this one button called auto. That's the one I like. I just hit it and it does the right thing. If you need flash, it comes on. And, you know, I, I, I can take a pretty good picture with auto. But there is no auto for your soul. It's worship time now, auto. All distractions are eliminated, you know. You got Wonder Woman on one side and Spider Man on the other, keeping everything at bay while you're with God, you know. Did you see Spider Man? All right. I didn't. I just talking about it. Anybody see Cars 3? I saw Cars 3. I cried at the ending. There won't be a Cars 4 after that kind of ending. But anyway, anyway. <clears throat> but you and I have to see, see, see? I said something. Oh, hit a nerve. You and I have to decide what we're going to focus on. And I'm just going to tell you, if you want to live life and life to the full, you've got to make time for God you have to make time for worship. And, and there's so many ways it can play out. Again, it's not just here. It can be wherever you go. I, I have a friend who loves to go out to Surf Beach early in the morning, and he just worships the Lord out there. He and the snowy plovers, they hang out together. and you know. Uh, by the way, his cell provider 
and where he's at and where he stands, he has no cell service. That's a trick. He's addicted to his phone. So he goes where the cell phone don't work. Isn't that great? And he, here I am, Lord, the morning marine layer, just you and me hanging out. And the backdrop, guess what he gets to hear? God's creation banging on the shoreline. Whatever it takes for you. Romans 8, 7, and 8, the Message Bible says, focusing on yourself is the opposite of focusing on God. Anyone completely absorbed in self ignores God and ends up thinking more about self than God. That person ignores who God is and what he's doing. Catch this. We never want to ignore who he is and what he's doing. And God isn't pleased at being ignored. Remember, God is emotional. He loves, he can be grieved, he can be jealous, he can feel ignored, he can sing over you, he can dance over you, he can be concerned, he can have compassion, he can have pity. We have a God who's emotional. And so when we neglect him, when we ignore him, uh, I, I think, excuse me for my opinion, I, I think we hurt his heart. It's, it's when we come to say, Jesus, you're my Lord, and then we say no. See, when you say no to a Lord and a master and a king, that's a contradiction. So we have to be those who say, God, I'm going to spend time with you. I'm not going to ignore you. 1 John 4, 9 says, we love God because he first loved us. You know the Shorter Catechism? Many of you know what it says. The Shorter Catechism says that the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. To glorify God and enjoy him forever. To glorify God and enjoy him forever. That's why Hosea 6.6 6 says, uh, and this is God who says, I don't want your sacrifices. I want your what? Your love. I don't want your offerings. I want you to know me. So how do we honor God? How do we worship God? We know him and, and we love him. Worship is a response. It is a choice. Somebody said we need to ratchet our worship up by this. We, we don't love God enough. We don't love God enough. That might have been a good answer to the guy in the parking lot. Well, you don't love God enough. I don't think that's true. I think we don't know how much God loves us. Because if we know how much he loves us and cares about us, then we would stop and worship him with reckless abandon. The last thing is that we worship God. It's using our abilities for God. Worship is using my abilities for God. We worship him with, with, with mind, with soul, with heart, and with strength. Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as though you are working for the Lord and not for people. So God, I'm taking out the garbage for you. I'm not being silly. Lord, I'm making the bed for you. Lord, I'm making this sandwich for you. Even though you're not going to eat it, I'm still making it for you. Everything that I do, God, I want to be a worship unto you. And that's the way the Bible speaks about it, that worship is a lifestyle. It's not just a moment. It's not just a service. It's each and every day. So how will you thank God this week? How will you respond to a generous God, a gracious God, a loving God, a forgiving 
God. How will you spend time? How will you craft time every day to say, God, here I am? Whether you're singing in a bucket or singing with others, whether you're speaking praise, the fruit of your lips, giving thanks to God. I, I can't do that for you. But I can encourage you that if you do that, God will be pleased and blessed and that your life will be more abundant as you worship him. Thank you for listening to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. To find out more about Lompoc Foursquare Church or to watch us live online, please visit mylfc.com. Leads to